Welcome to Why I Quit, a show that covers real people quitting their nine to five jobs in search of something different. Listen to inspiring conversations where we dive deep into the stories of why people quit their jobs, what were the hardest parts, where are they now, and any advice for people following the same path. so excited to introduce Brian Chupek as this week's guest on Why I Quit. Listen as he discusses quitting his full-time job at Morgan Stanley with no plans as to what was next. Learn how Brian chose starting a real estate business to have more control over his schedule and prioritize the relationships in his life. Get inspired by listening to how he is diversifying his revenue streams by continually exploring new business opportunities. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to start off by going back a little bit. Tell me about your education and kind of where you thought that would lead to for your first role out of school. Yeah, so I, uh, I graduated from Salisbury University with a degree in finance, specifically in investments in 2014. And of course, like everybody, I thought, you know, that's it. I'm going to be rich. You go get the first job. Morgan Stanley is a big investment bank. They come calling. You know, it's awesome. Big name. And what you realize there quickly is you're on the operations side, or at least I was in that scenario. So we did institutional securities lending, which is about as exciting as it sounds. Um, but basically, it's big pension funds or portfolios. They have extra securities that they have laying around, and we would make sure that we could lend those out to other institutions and you know, collect a little fee for that. And you know, you're moving hundred million some odd dollars a day, billion dollar portfolios. Everything there is on on a time run. So the market closes depending on which market you're looking at in regular intervals every single day. So it's just the same repetitive work day after day and high stress because it's a lot of money moving hands. So people, you know, no phone call lasts longer than 15 seconds, you know, just say your thing and get down, move on with it. And then uh, you get in around seven, seven thirty to get ready for your day and get ready for whatever market's about to close. Usually Turkey was like one of the first ones. And then you just stay all day. So once all the markets close around like four, now you can start doing like the extra projects that you want to work on or anything that makes your day better or optimizes the flow for the team. And so you end up doing like seven to seven every day. You don't really leave your desk. You're kind of always stuck there. Just got kind of the theme of the show. And it just gets really repetitive and real old real quick. And you start kind of having that, that mental space where you start looking around and say, all right, what's what's the end look like here? What's the what's the outcome of, you know, best case scenario? What does that look like here? But to me, I decided it wasn't anything that I was interested in. So, and I ended up leaving and kind of went to work for myself, really bet on myself. Got into real estate, started selling real estate 2018. And that's what I've been doing ever since. How quickly was it from when you started at Morgan Stanley to when you realized that this was not for you? And then what did that transition period look like? Did you start looking at other things from there? Or how long was that transition period for you? I worked there for about four years out of college. It was probably year two where I was like, all right, what, what are we doing here? Like, what's what's this all about? Because, you know, you, you start out that first year and you're, you're having a good time. You're making more money than you've ever seen before. And then... As you get more progressive, the, the typical turnout and the, the churn and burn there was kind of the motto is, you know, people would stay for like a year and a half. So that four years, I was like, Risley, like that, nobody stays that long, really. So it was probably around year two where I started thinking like, all right, what are we doing here? Because I'm pretty, I was pretty good at my job. And I can look around and just based on your title, I knew if I was making within plus or minus $5,000 of you, I could figure out what you were making. Didn't matter if I was way better than you, you were way worse than me. Didn't matter. You're making kind of the same thing. And you start thinking about it and you're like, well, 
you know, you kind of lose that incentive. And then you start looking at what the career progression looks like if you stayed in that role or in that kind of silo. And you start thinking, all right, that's not for me either. What can we do instead? What don't I like about it? You, you know, you kind of get your feet wet in the in the working world and realize, all right, here's the things I do like out of my career and here's the things I don't like. How can I optimize that? What's my next move? You know, you're always thinking a couple steps ahead trying to figure out what, what your next move is and what's going to optimize your goals and what you want out of your career because it's not just like a job. I've worked since I was, you know, 15, 16 all the time and those are just jobs just to make money. But then you start having a career and you realize, all right, the people ahead of me are, you know, 30, 40, 50, however old they are. And like, this is it for them. This is, that's, that's it. Is that what you want? Is that where you want to end up? And so you kind of really take stock around year two. And then that's when you started planning. All right, where am I going to go from here? And I planned everything out pretty well. So like I was making sure I had, you know, 401k invested and, you know, company matching. When you hit that time period where everything's vested, it's your money. They, they don't claw it back from you if you leave. And then saving up enough reserve funds that I knew I was going to go into something where I could control the income a little bit more than I, I did out on a salary. And so I kind of started saving up for that and had the plan. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew I was going to do something different. And the transition was, I took a summer off. I think I took three months just to like be. And that summer was the one where I was like, all right, uh, there's no shot. I'm going back to like a structured nine to five, or in this case, like seven to seven. Like I was saying, just the control that you have over your schedule was, I, I realized that was money aside. That was the number one thing that I wanted was control of my schedule. And that was like non-negotiable for me. So I, at that point, I realized I was going to do something where I could control that and I could determine how I was going to work and how I was going to integrate that with everything else I do in life. How important was that? three month break for you to kind of figure out what you were going to get into next or what the next plan was. So I probably could have done it in a month, but <laughs> it was important. Like I said, guys solidified what I already knew. So my family's had real estate investment properties since I was two feet tall and I've been ripping out carpet and doing stuff like that. So I, I kind of always knew real estate. Like I could understand it. I've never been accused of being the smartest guy in the room, but I could figure that out and I could understand how that worked kind of knew that that was probably gonna, where I was going to end up. And then I was just figuring out what path in there, you know, am I going to go investing side or am I going to go brokerage and brokerage seemed to be the way that I could earn the most money, have the most flexibility and control and set myself up for, you know, a couple of different avenues of income streams that I could, that I could pull in. You know, it's typically about six months that they say, when you really get your first check, money's starting to come in, you have clients going in real estate, um, specifically sales. And so Morgan Stanley actually called me back later and they're like, Hey, would you work part-time for us at least? We, we need something. We're dying here. Because I think a few of us quit like kind of at the same time. A few of the key players, um, they, they tried to offer me management on the way out. And I said, guys, it's not happening. Uh, so that, that was actually great. Though. I went back and worked part-time for them. And then I could you know spend the rest of my time prospecting for clients and kind of working that side of the business. And I was pretty flexible on how I could structure that. But I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do a little part-time for, I think I did three months with them. The three months, uh, you know, it really just solidified. Like I said, it solidified that, hey, this is, this is the right move for me. This is what I want to do. Going back to the moment when you did quit, you know, where was your mindset at in terms of you're so confident that you know that you can figure it out? You know, were you terrified about, you know, not knowing what you were going to do next? Or, you know, what was your comfortability level at that point? So that, that one's actually funny and it kind of ties into my mentality at the time. I didn't know exactly like I was going to go into brokerage, but I knew I was doing something where I was going to be sales-based and, you know, contrive the income. And so when I sat down, I, you know, instant messaged my boss and I was like, hey, when you guys get time today, like, can I get five minutes? And he kind of knew what the breakup text was coming. So he's like, let's just do it now. Let's get it over with. So I went and sat in there. It was like me, him, his boss, like we had, had a couple of them in there. 
I just broke the news. I said, hey, look, guys, if I'm going to go broke, it doesn't matter. I have no dependents. You know, nobody's really relying on me. I don't have a ton of debt or anything like that. Like, I was fortunate not to have student loans in that scenario. So it really didn't matter. Like, I could, I could live pretty lean for a little bit and, you know, do all right. But I, I kind of sat him down and said, hey, look, this is if I'm going to do it, now's the time to do it. You know, everything's set up for it, and every single one of them is kind of – Said, yep, good idea. They all had kids. They all had, you know, responsibilities other than just their freedom to go do it. So they were all on board with it. And they were super helpful. I actually stayed a little longer than it wasn't a typical two weeks. I, I told them I was going to help them, you know, transition. But I said, hey, this is coming sooner rather than later. So let's start, let's start game planning for how we're going to roll this out. Tell me a little bit about how that first year went for you. Was it harder than you thought, or did it go better than you thought, or what did that look like for you? It was harder, and I think I've had heard your guests say this before. You do take a dip in income right off the jump when you start anything up like that. Like I said, I prepared for that, so I was I had money saved up. I knew I was going to be fine there, but you do. You take the hit. I really just thought about, all right, what could go right? All these things could go right. I could have a better schedule. I can make more money. I can do X, Y, Z, all the great things that you want to think about. And then I flipped that on its head, and I said, all right, what could go wrong? So when I realized what, what what could go wrong, I said, all right, how do I mitigate that risk? I don't know how to get clients. I need training, you know, on how to do that. So you partner with somebody that's going to help you train there. All right, I might run out of money. Okay, so I saved up money. Like I said, for two years, I had that in place. I minimized my, my lease at that time when I was in Baltimore. I was with a friend, and so I could go month to month. I was very flexible there. So, all right, I'm not super, like, concerned about that. Worst case, you know, you move in with your parents. They're not going to ever kick me out or anything. So you just kind of look at what could go wrong, how realistic is it that it would actually go wrong, and what are your contingency plans that you have in place for that? I, just, I was kind of on board, and I was just like, all right, we're just, I'm a next step guy. Like, all the time I'm thinking about what's the next step, how do I get from here to there? And so I just kind of plotted it out and thought, all right, I don't know what the third or fourth step might be, but I know the next one is this, and the next one is this, and then you figure it out along the way there. So the first year, it was big on making yourself accountable because typically in your nine to five, you know, you come in, your boss is saying, Hey, I need this, this, and this done. Here's like your schedule, you know, go do it. You kind of go on autopilot after a while. It's not that big of a deal. When you're the one that's responsible for making the money and making all the decisions and structuring your day, you really have to hold yourself accountable. I started living and dying by the calendar. Everything on there is scheduled out. If it's not on there, it's not real to me. It doesn't exist. Everything is on that calendar and down to the time where I'm making phone calls, the times where I'm going on tours, whatever it might be. If I have a party or if I'm stopping by somebody's house later, it's on, on the calendar. Everything is on there. If it's not on the calendar, it's not real. A lot of times for people that run their own business too, that they are at the mercy of their clients or things that come up. So how is that transition for you? Does Do you still feel like you have enough control that it kind of fills that need for you or was it different? Yeah. So you're only controlled by your clients if you let them control you. It's as simple as that. You know, so I have appointments. Like I said, that's why I time block everything that I need to do. If I have stuff that's important to my business and they say, hey, I'm going to go see this house at this time and it doesn't work for me, say, hey, I can't do that, but here's the alternatives. Let's let's figure this out. We'll do it this way. Or if it's important enough to you, you move something else around, you say, all right, you know, typically I don't go showings in the morning, but I'll do it this time and I'll move all my morning stuff to the afternoon. But I try not to make a habit of that. But you are beholden to your clients, but you, you – you ultimately, they're looking for a professional, you know, typically they're coming to you for something. You have the process, you have the system, you have the information that they need. You structure it in a way that's professional. And if you set it up with structure and you set expectations ahead of time, people respond to that very well. They understand it. Everybody, everybody gets it. It's a, it's a job for you and you have certain other responsibilities. They're, they're not your only client. So you kind of just set that expectation up front. And, and it really hasn't ever been a big problem for me, to be honest with you. 
And in terms of your work-life balance, you know, as you are building up the real estate side of the business, what did that look like in comparison to your work schedule at Morgan Stanley? So at Morgan, it was just, you're there, seven is that, like, it's, it's just it, that's it. I don't really love the term work-life balance. I think one of your guests actually said it really well, work-life integration is, I think, more how it needs to be. I'm never on, but I'm never off either. So it's just kind of how you weave your income in your career and what you're doing into the other things that you're doing. So again, all my calendars are all linked together. So I have personal calendars, work calendars. You, you, you go with it. You set yourself some structure. Like I said, you have to be accountable to yourself. You set your, your basic structure, but you, then you leave yourself a little flexibility to for whatever might come up and what whatever is you know the priority for that day. I don't, I don't have too much trouble with trying to balance it out. You know, I'm not missing big events because I just goes on my calendar and says, this is an event. It's not movable. I have an appointment. That's it. Yeah. And in terms of your priorities on the personal side, as you're growing the business, did that affect how you created the business in general and how you structured your schedule in these time blocks? Like talk to me a little bit about how you thought about that as you started growing that side of the business. When I thought about it, I thought, all right, what are the things that are a priority for me just in life? relationships. That's my number one biggest thing. I won't miss a wedding. I won't miss, you know, anything like that. I'll, I'll structure it so that I can work around that. So I, I know when my big events are and they go on there and they don't move. So picturing, you know, what's, what's important to you. And that's kind of the larger discussion of life, you know, how your career fits into that life that you want to build. You kind of meld the priorities there and say, all right, what's, what's my non-negotiables? What won't I miss? All right. I know I have to make calls every day. I have to try and get clients every day. I know I have specific events and people that I need to keep up with. So those two things are going to go on my calendar. Everything else drops below it. So you kind of just have to constantly reassess what your priorities are and then weigh them against each other. I literally just have a task list right next to it on some side of the Google page. And it's just a task list of, all right, here's items that I need to get done, but here's things that are just the most important thing to me. And that's not going to move on my calendar at all ever. So I really just kind of try and integrate it as best as I can and, and just keep a constant reminder of what my priorities are typically it's relationships and then building the business. And those two things, if it's not furthering one of those two, it's, it's kind of just not, it gets a little bit of the back burner, to be honest with you. I know there's a lot of people out there who are looking to quit their jobs or just quit their jobs recently. You know, what is, you know, the, the best piece of advice you got or that you would give someone that is following a similar path? Have a real honest conversation with yourself because you don't do yourself any favors by saying, oh yeah, I'll get, I can do that. You know, it's not a big deal. You're going to be accountable to yourself. You have to look yourself in the mirror and it's a hundred percent. You have to decide, am I okay being a hundred percent responsible for the results, good or bad? I'll have to own everything that the buck stops here, that kind of, you know, all that good phrasing and stuff. But I mean, just be a hundred percent accountable with yourself. It's, if that's not something that you can do, you know, you probably should not think about it until you can build that discipline. So I would do that. And then I plan everything. I'm thinking a couple steps ahead, trying to at least all the time. So I'm always looking, like I said earlier, what what could go right, what could go wrong, and how do I mitigate the, the chance that it's going to go wrong? And what's the probability that's even going to go wrong? Is it just a thing that I'm thinking about? And I just write it down and say, all right, that's, that's stupid. That's never going to happen. But you, you still at least write it down and say, all right, here's how I would deal with this if it came up ever. And then you never think about it again, because you just do all the right things and you keep advancing your next step to, to get where you need to get to. If I sit down with myself, I can I can overthink things a lot. So I take, I have to really discipline myself to, to blend that with actually taking action. So that's why I'm so big on next steps. It's like, I don't know how to do it perfect, but I know I can do the next thing. 
I can do the next thing. I can do the next thing. And eventually you get there and you refine on the way. Did you have plans on the entrepreneurial side, you know, from back in college or growing up at all? Or did that stem from your experiences at Morgan Stanley where that made you get to the point where you were like, okay, I need to figure out a plan to, you know, find something different outside of this? I've never really had like the entrepreneurial bug. I've always had like salaried, like I was never a waiter or anything like that where I could drive the income. It was always a salary thing. And you're working at golf courses, working at retail shops, selling t-shirts or whatever. So I, I never really had that, but I knew I liked investments because this is one of the ones that stuck with me is my mom's a saint. I love her. In the nineties, she just, she knew she had to, she was a single mom for the nineties until she married my now stepdad. And she knew she had to make up for that income because she was a salary person too. She, she worked social worker. She was a teacher. She, you know, she wasn't making big bucks, but she knew, all right, if I buy this house and she'll typically buy two units or three units, whatever it might be. But one of those will cover the mortgage for that house. One of them will make up for the income that she didn't have coming in from a spouse at the time. She, she just did that, repeated it for a couple of times. And it really worked out for her really well. And one of the best, best moments I've ever seen is uh, we were sitting at the kitchen table with like a financial advisor, somebody that was trying to onboard her as a client that just kind of said, Hey, you don't need me. You just pay these off. And like, you're set. And she broke down in tears because she didn't know she was the same thing. She didn't know what the final picture was, but she knew the next step. So I kind of saw that and how that played out. And I realized, all right, there is a way to drive your income differently than just getting paid by somebody and trusting that, you know, once a year, they're going to give you a raise at 5%. Well, you just lost 4% to inflation this year. It's inflation is at like 7%. So you're not getting at least 7%. You're falling behind. You want to put yourself in a position, or at least I wanted to put myself in a position where I could control all of that. I'm, I'm a big control guy. I'm, I really like being able to, to, to navigate how I see fit. You know, I'm going to make mistakes along the way. Of course, everybody does. But I at least want to put myself in a position to, to control that as much as possible. Talk to me a little bit about as you've scaled your real estate business, what are some of kind of like those core foundational pieces that have really helped you grow over these past few years? Um, so I'm big on education, like 100%. I'm always trying to learn and like pick one little thing, like get 1% better every day. That's it. Just one little thing every day is, is fine. So I listen to podcasts like these all the time. I just try and hear, all right, what did that person do? And I'm I'm just a walking plagiarization. I don't have an original thought anywhere. I literally, I'm stealing something from everybody. Anytime I listen, I'm, I'm very good at being aware and kind of soaking everything in. So I'm always listening and, and trying to keep up because if you know, if you get complacent, that's when you start to get left in the dust by your competitors. So like I said, I can sit here and plan things all till kingdom come, but it doesn't matter if you don't do anything. If you don't make, pick up the phone and make a call for a client, you know, you have the best plan in the world. It doesn't do anything for you. You know, over the next three to five years, you know, where do you see the business going for you? And do you see that potentially like growing and turn into something else as well? You always want to get from sell side to buy side because that's where you really create wealth. When you own the assets and when you are the one collecting all that appreciation and collecting, you know, whatever rental checks that might come in. If I don't sell something this month, I don't get money. That's it. Yeah, you know, I have to sell all the time. So getting to that to that side is it's opening up a new income stream there is, you know, so you get some assets that eventually pay you some money. Like we have the rental portfolio. Maybe you branch off and do a little bit of uh, property management too. All right. Now you're collecting a fee this year. I'm building out a commercial arm too, a little bit. So we're starting to get a business there. So now you have what, that's four streams of income right there. So you're not completely dependent on any one of them. You want to try and build little avenues. And that, that was the kind of thing that I realized at a salary job, you just you can't do that very well. You know, once a year you get your raise, I think I got a couple bucks from like a recruiting bonus when I brought somebody on, threatened to quit. And so they said, all right, we'll pay you a little bit 
I mean, there's you're, you're really dependent on that one income stream diversifying that way and, you know, kind of being a little bit entrepreneurial and say, all right, if I can get a couple of different systems in place that will bring in money from separate arenas or separate lanes that are somewhat related but still independent of each other, that's kind of the goal for the next three to five years is, is build out a couple of those. It's not, you know, if the market turns on us, you know, you're not completely hurt. For someone looking to get into real estate investing, I know that's like one of the more popular ones you hear people talk about a lot. Like what's some advice you have from people that are, you know, haven't gotten in that space before, but are looking to get into it now? So 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing. And what I mean by that is don't be afraid to partner with somebody. Don't be afraid to lose a little revenue or lose a little bit of that split to get education opportunities and to limit your downside risk. I mean, I partnered with uh, the Babacita team. They take a little cut of my paycheck every time, but I know they have systems and processes in place. I know I have somebody in there that can teach me how to deal with any scenario. I'm not forging it all on my own. I'm minimizing my risk. I'm minimizing my downside by partnering with somebody that has experience. I think too many people are afraid of giving up so they don't do anything at all. They don't get anything ever because they just don't want to lose anything. But if you partner with people, I think that's a great way to, to especially in any entrepreneurial venture, is to kind of leverage out somebody else's talents, somebody else's resources, somebody else's assets and minimize your risk. I think partnering with people on on any venture is is typically a, at least an idea worth worth looking into for sure. No, that's that's such great advice. And I guess for anyone in, you know, the uh, the Maryland or Baltimore area, you know, what is a way to get in touch with you and maybe talk to them a little bit about the services that you offer as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. So my cell phone number is 410-490-8880. Call me anytime. My email address is brianchubeck at kw.com, gmail.com, yahoo.com, whatever you want. It's it's brianchubeck. Put it at .com at the end. You'll find me. I check. I run a zero inbox too. So every single day I'm, I check every single email. So that's easily the, the one you can get to. And then on Instagram, I'm not super big on social media. I, mean, I got to get better at that, but it's at brianchubeck.re. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much. I definitely appreciate your time and sharing your story. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This is cool. Thank you for listening. It really means a lot to us. We want to hear from you as we keep growing. Please reach out on whyquit.co if you have any feedback or potential guests. A special thanks to Chris Dole for the music. Please check out his newest album, Here's to You, on Spotify. Thank you, and we will be back next week with another episode.